Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome into the first ever episode of Box Office Bets. Uh, however, this isn't the first episode Brian and I have discussed betting on the Oscars uh, we've done in the past. Actually, we had a show. We're basically moving, right? We're moving homes. We didn't pay rent, so we got kicked out. And now <laughs> That's we, right. we're uh, starting over. <laughs> exactly. And I like the name better. I don't know, Brian. You came up with it, so Box Office yeah, Bets. It was it was a group it was a group decision, I think, and then we got to it. So I think a group of two. Group of two, yes, exactly. <laughs> I love the acronym Bob, too, so that works. Um, but if you are unfamiliar with what we do, we basically talk about the Oscars and betting on the Oscars in particular. You can bet on the Oscars, believe it or not. It is legal in America in a few states, a handful of states, not every state. Uh, it's been regulated over in some European countries for quite some time. Very popular market where you're basically group betting. You're betting on who's going to win each category. Maybe down the road, Brian, we'll see uh, different markets for the Oscars open. I know you had one in particular with Oppenheimer. Uh, yeah. Was it like no. the over-under total awards they win or something like that? Yeah, I think like totals would be a good kind of like idea, especially when you have these big ones, like especially for like best picture that's going to have multiple. Maybe yeah. have like an over-under awards. And I think that'd be a cool market. Mm -hmm. And then you had, there was like a specialty prop bet with like oh, Oppenheimer yeah. that it sweeps every yeah, well, not a nomination. Exactly. Something like will, that? will Oppenheimer yeah. win every category that it's nominated in, which <laughs> I don't think would happen, but I think it would be a market that somebody might actually bet in. So, Oh, yeah. If you see something well. like plus, you know, 5,000 or 50 to 1 or higher, I'm sure you'll get somebody throwing some house change on that. Yeah. I mean, the way people are talking about it, I mean, I think this movie might win a lot of awards, but, it you should. know, maybe not all of them. But It we'll should, but that. as we get deeper into, you know, these contenders uh more are dropping as the you know the year is turning over to 2024 and one of those movies that came out just in time for christmas very christmasy movie uh the holdovers starring paul giamatti and uh with director alexander payne and i don't know if anyone knows a lot about alexander payne but this guy uh, creates a lot of classics and is very buddy buddy with the academy and uh paul giamatti when these two get together uh, they're like a like a WWE tag team championship. They they just they do really well together. Um, and so yeah, Brian, I know you were really high on this movie too. You said you didn't understand the hype, but now you do after viewing it. Yeah, man. Like, in the, and maybe it's like a summertime thing. So like, I heard this movie coming out like in the summer, and like as as we go to the movies pretty frequently, we see a lot of these um, previews, and I was like, man, is this movie gonna be good? Like, I don't know. Like, it's Paul Giamatti. That's cool. And then I actually went out and saw it and I heard all the buzz and then I finally went out and saw it and it felt like just an old school movie that you really cared about the characters. It had sort of like the structure and it really was just a very big character study of all these different people. And it was kind of one of those fun, it really reminded me of uh, like Goodwill Hunting in terms of being like in the Northeast with sort of like the, like the, the boarding school sort of aspect to it. And Really, I just thought it was a fantastic movie. I was really, really into it the entire time and um, really big fan. But I think they, they were in Sideways together, correct? I think that was one of the first two movies that they were, were they in. So, oh, um, yeah. Si Sideways was excellent also. I remember watching that and just yeah. laughing constantly. Um, but, I mean, this isn't like a really big cast in the holdovers. But I no. think really the, the characters themselves and the performances really shine through. Where I think a lot of them are going to have, uh, I think... The main, the main uh, awards, the Best Actress, 
best supporting act sorry best actor best supporting actress uh i think you're gonna get some nominations out of this movie from paul giamatti and divine joy randolph so yeah we can and jump i jump th- into it i think dominique sessa uh best supporting yeah. actor he might also yeah. see a nomination it's gonna be tough though because as you know i think the one thing the holdovers is going up against is heavyweight and juggernaut uh yeah. contenders such as We'll just stick with Best Supporting Actor real quick. Um, Downey Jr. and De Niro are probably going to be, you know, Tweedledum, Tweedledee in terms of being the favorites to win Best Supporting Actor. And then you also have, you know, Ryan Gosling from Barbie coming up. You have Mark Ruffalo from Poor Things coming up. So it's going to be very difficult for uh, Sessa to get a nomination. Uh, then you go to Paul Giamatti. I think it's kind of the same thing with him. Then you go to Divine Joy Randolph, who's who you mentioned. You mentioned the yeah. category Best Supporting Actress. I actually had Emily Blunt as the favorite for Best Supporting Actress since Oppenheimer came out. It was June, July, one of one of those right. summer hot summer months. Uh, and for months, it was Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt. I saw the holdovers last week of November, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I think Divine Joy Randolph is going to win. Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Um, I think she should be the rightful favorite. She's pretty much a co-favorite um, with Danielle Brooks from The Color Purple. That movie has not come out yet. Correct. So you're getting Divine Joy Randolph at plus 160 right now. I say take it because if The Color Purple comes out, which it will on Christmas Day, and Danielle Brooks isn't as strong as many might think, she's going to drop and Randolph will actually grow in odds. She'll, she'll see her yeah. odds shorten. Also, keep, in, uh, keep this in your back pocket as a note that Daniel Brooks is going up against um, other cast members in The Color of Purple. So that might negate as well. So what do you think about this whole Best Supporting Actress market, Brian? I know you're really high on Divine uh, Joy Randolph, uh, as am I. Oh, yeah, man. Like once I saw the movie and just saw like the depth that she went for this film, because I've actually seen her in other things. I saw her in uh, the the weekend show, which was on uh <laughs> It's on HBO Max. Not a not a great show, but she actually puts in a great performance as sort of like this like rough like manager like in Hollywood, and to see her flip and kind of just be this like you know mom uh, this mom from the film. Don't want to give away what's going on in the film, but she's going through a very traumatic experience, and the way that she plays it so well, um, I think is what I think is what the Oscars love. I think they love to see somebody really change and really sort of show the depth in their work. And I think, again, like you said, Danielle Brooks is going is to have to go up against a lot of other people in The Color Purple because it's a huge cast in that movie. And again, it hasn't come out yet. And I think movies that are – I think November is really the sweet spot when you want to yeah. be releasing movies. And I think when people release movies too late, for example, December, this happened with Babylon, which I thought was an awesome movie. Great but movie. It was, it was just released too late. I mean, you just it's, it, it's not in the zeitgeist for long enough. I think people are not going to the movies in December in droves like maybe we thought they would. So I think it's going to be tough. A Color Purple is a huge property. But again, <laughs> I'm not buying in at plus 135. But plus 160 for Divine uh, Joy Randolph, sign me up at plus 160. I mean, maybe I'm, I, w- I would maybe just sprinkle something on Emily Blunt at this point at plus 450. But I think Divine Joy Randolph is absolutely fantastic in this film. Yeah, I like sprinkling something on Emily Blunt as well at plus 450. And yeah, the ensemble is, I think, going to be the downfall possibly of Daniel Brooks. Unless she goes out there and just smashes it, which she can. I mean, sure. you know, she absolutely can. I just think it's interesting for a movie that hasn't been released yet and for a movie that a lot of people haven't even screened yet. 
Like a lot of people have screened poor things. A lot of people have screened Maestro already. Not a lot of people have screened the color purple. Right. I just find it interesting that Daniel Brooks is getting favored odds to open a market for a movie that hasn't yeah. even really been screened that Ooh, much either. So. No, yeah, it's really weird. I don't, I don't, I, I guess it's the name property. Also, uh, Steven Spielberg and uh, Oprah are Oprah. the executive producers for this. So Spielberg really knows how to game sort of the Academy Award system, which isn't a problem. <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. But uh, I think people are putting a lot of, are putting a lot of stock in that. But I think right now, Joy Randolph should be the favorite going into this. So maybe a little bit mispriced at this point. Yeah, and you look at some of the awards uh, that the Holdovers has won uh, already. Uh, a lot of it is Divine Joy Randolph. She won yep. Supporting Actress at the Critics' Choice uh, Celebration of Cinema. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go through all of them, but this movie has seen 13 nominations, 11 wins of those nominations, and you are just seeing Joy Randolph's name everywhere. The Gotham Awards, the Heartland International Film Festival, the Independent Spirit Awards, the National Board of Review, the New York Film Critics circle i mean it just goes on and on and on and it is all divine joy randolph right now so i think of the three performers in this film she would be the one i would be betting on right now i know that the value is there with the actors of this film and i don't mind giamatti at 10 to 1 for you know if you have some house change but yeah. you know even if he gets nominated I, he's not going to win this so i think randolph is your best bet and at plus 160 i'm with you brian i think that would probably be the best way to bet on the holdovers entering the 2024 oscars yeah and sort of staying on the performances we'll sort of uh, go over to paul giamatti i think we're in unison that we like uh, joy randolph in the supporting actress category but paul giamatti has never won an academy award i think he's maybe only been nominated once um sideways he got nominated yeah, for off the top of my head sure but has never won he's a great character actor he's been in a lot of films he's been in billions for the last couple of years which um it's a great tv show then it kind of just he was in off. uh he was santa claus and fred claus yeah he was santa claus and fred claus i mean what else was he in uh in one year he had, this was sort of funny uh no one talks about paul giamatti's range from the year that he played um i don't know if the it's president Gordy willis uh yeah. no he played he played the manager for nwa and then also played the like a slaver in Twelve Years a Slave in like within the same year and a half. So range on this guy is crazy. Yeah, but, he played yeah. Uh, Jack. Did he play Jack or um, John Adams? Yeah, he played John Adams in an that's, HBO it, series. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So him at he, I see him at plus eight fifty. I think he might have said ten to one, but something close around there. Uh, I think he might get nominated. Let's kind of go through who we think is going to get nominated in the best. Yeah. Actor. So sure. let's go. Cillian Murphy's the favorite. So Cillian Murphy, we have Bradley Cooper, sure. Coleman Domingo for Rustin. I think that one's interesting. I think he's big in uh, a lot of critics really love Coleman Domingo's portrayal. I haven't seen Rustin yet. Maybe I'll watch it today actually. Cause it's on Netflix. I, uh, I, I think, I think he's going to get a nomination. Yeah, for sure. Do? Okay. Yeah. Uh, DiCaprio, I think is a shoe in, then it gets a little bit crazy. So we have one, two, three, four. So we have four guys in. So the fifth one is sort of that spot that's open. So we have uh, Paul Giamatti plus eight fifty, And then we also have Perry Corgan. Who's at plus 800, just a bit above him. I think it really comes down to taste from the Academy. I think they really enjoy Perry. Uh, is it uh, Corgan? He was in the Banshees of Aaron Sheeran. Yeah. He was in a very famous scene that's a meme to death where he says, oh, well, there goes that dream. And <laughs> I feel like the Academy likes him. But again, the, the, the Academy also really likes Paul Giamatti <laughs> in this character. So I don't know. That fifth spot is really going to have to come down to taste, I believe. 
Yeah, you also I, have Adam Driver sitting out there and Michael Fassbender and Joaquin Phoenix. A lot of guys. Yes. Uh, pronounce pronounce the Saltburns kid name again one more time. Uh, Barry uh, Corgan. Okay, Corgan. So we'll go with Corgan uh, just so we're consistent on here. Um, I think he's going to get nominated. Uh, I, I honestly think between him and Giamatti, he, it might be him. And I think you're flipping a coin, though, at this point. Yeah. And I will say, I think, you know, for this best actor market, I think it is very possible that I think DiCaprio will get nominated. But I, yes. do, I can see them leaving him off. I think of the three performers in that movie, I would actually put Gladstone and De Niro uh, in terms of who I think could get nominated in there before DiCaprio. And yeah. I really like DiCaprio in that performance. Um, but to me, it just feels like this might be another year the Academy kind of overlooks him. Like DiCaprio actually has a history of being overlooked by the Academy quite often. He does get nominations, but he doesn't win a lot. And he also doesn't get nominated for roles I... Like last year, I think don't don't look up was that was that last year or two yeah, years that was, ago? Yeah, that might have been two years ago. Right, I thought he should have got a nomination for that, but he didn't. So for me, DiCaprio, for as much of a heavy hitter of an actor as he is, it almost feels like he's, it almost feels like he's kind of like the Chelsea of uh, you know the Premier League of, of sure. movie making. Like he'll probably have really high odds, and a lot of people think he's going to win a lot. But when it comes down to it, he typically either gets overlooked by not getting nominated or not winning when he is nominated. So I'm on the fence with DiCaprio. I'm with you. I think he should get nominated. But this history of the Academy, just kind of giving him the boot from time and time again, uh, is definitely in the back of my mind with that. And I think when he plays characters like this, which are sort of like it's he's the lead character, but he feels kind of supporting, to be honest. But mm -hmm. he, he's the lead. But he's playing a, a very different character than his actual personality. And it plays a little bit dumb, if you will. Like, that's Forceful the point of the character, obviously. Yeah. So, like, this one, don't look up. He's, like, the smart guy, but he's playing, like, a different kind of character. Kind of weird. And I feel like when he plays these kind of weird characters, maybe that's why he gets overlooked. Because he obviously plays, like, in The Revenant, he plays uh, Glass. But it's not, like, a weird character. He's a very strong. He's the leader. He feels like, I mean, he also won for that category, so, or that year. So, kind of a bad example. But when he plays these, like, real leading men, I think is when he actually thrives. But, you know, the, the performance I thought he was really good in was in Django, where he plays sort of like that deliciously terrible person. But he gets to be like a movie star. He feels like a star. And, and I feel like he's doing this accent in this movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, that he's done before. And I think that kind of took me out of the movie, where I 100% agree with you, even though I listed him as like one of the like shoe-ins, just because off of name recognition alone. Right. I can see them leaving him off just in terms of the performance because out of the three that you mentioned for Killers of the Flower Moon, which we'll do another time, is I think he puts in the third best performance of I those was, three people. I, I agree with that 100%. I think Lily Gladstone and Robert De Niro, I haven't seen act like this in so many years, is really just perfect. He's doing everything that Scorsese wants him to do. Where He's very confusing, and I think that's the point of the <laughs> character, that you know he's not always the best person, but he's playing the uncle character just so well. And just you can see him spinning his web around DiCaprio. And I, I love his performance. If, if, if Robert Downey Jr. was not in this category this year, I would definitely shoe in uh, De Niro for winning this category. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, because of Downey Jr. and De Niro, you know, being such easy layup picks to get nominated for Best Supporting Actor, I yeah. do think it hurts Dominique Sessa overall um, in this Holdovers film. And so... 
you know, you look at his odds. Uh, what are his odds right now for best supporting uh, 20 actor? 20 to 1 is I just Yeah. Looked. So I think the value is there. But this is not a nomination. Um, this, is, this is not you get nominated, you win your bet. He has to take home the hardware. Exactly. And he's not going to be able to do that, unfortunately, against, I call him the, the, the Bobby duo right now. Uh, I Robert know, right? Oh, that's Robert. funny. They are, both, they are both Robert. Yeah, and he's, Robert Downey Jr. is minus 125 at the moment. So yes, maybe sprinkle is. a little something on De Niro at 3-1. to one. But, Oh, I yeah, would, so 100%. Absolutely. I, since we're on the topic of Best Supporting Actor, uh, he's also a first-time, uh, I think this is one of his first films, Dominic Sessa. And I don't know yep. if you know this, but he actually went to the school that they're staging the movie at or have the movie at oh, wow. um, in the holdover. So he actually went to that school, which is kind of funny. Um, but anyways, so in this best supporting actor category, just the name I want to have people just keep an eye on is Charles Melton from May, December, which I think you had seen this. Movie I, I have watched recently. it. Yeah. And then I watched it, I think yesterday or the day before kind of weird movie. I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point, but he's Very getting a lot movie. of, he's getting a lot of steam. Um, he's now plus four fifty, which I didn't see him on the list uh, going into um, to the season. So he might be something to keep an eye on. I think it might just be noise because again, uh, this is sort of sort of a general talk here. Is that movies that come out on Netflix specifically uh, are gonna have a lot of noise around them because people are able to meme them, put them on Twitter. You're gonna hear a lot of noise around them. But I think once we get down to nomination time, uh, definitely look at those. The ones we've been talking about, so the Downey it, Juniors, the Goslings, yeah. and so on and so forth. Here's the thing: like I understand why Melton's odds are going up. He's won a lot of precursor awards. Um, his performance was good. There were really three, three or four standout scenes I thought with him in it. You mentioned it's a weird movie. Yeah, um, it's a it's a weird movie. There's been a lot of weird movies this, <laughs> this year, have. but they've been I think good. It's been a- I think it's been a good movie year. Like, do you think it's been oh, it a has good been. movie year this year? No, I do. I actually, I'm glad you brought this up because I think this is one of the strongest um, years of filmmaking in quite some time. And you look at all the categories and, you know, you and I have sat here multiple times and we've said, you know, the original screenplay category is the easier of the two. I sit here now uh, beginning of December and I say they're, you know, they're about even right now. Like you can put yeah. Barbie in either screenplay category. Ugh. It's probably not going to win either because both are loaded with just great contenders. Now the holdovers actually falls into uh, the best original screenplay category. So it will be going up against Barbie and a few others right there. I think this movie is going to get nominated for best original screenplay. What about you? I would agree. I just think the, it just feels lived in. I think a lot of when you look at screenplay, because how do you judge screenplay? uh, It's all on the page. If you ever ask actors what makes a good movie, they say, well, or what makes a good role? It's what's on the page. And I think that's what you get from it you can feel that this is a lived in uh environment you can tell about the way that they talk the way that paul giamatti just sort of does the rat-a-tat-tat like you know roman or you know roman history <laughs> so much fun one of my favorite lines of the movie is actually when um uh sessa um is running around you know jumping into the gym that has it's like you know has lacquer or whatever on it and then he says this is your rubicon do not cross the yeah. rubicon and then he it hits him with the uh, the dais cast in Latin, which is just <laughs> awesome. Also, me knowing what that was, I felt so smart. So maybe if this is a really good intellectual movie. But I think yeah. uh, the screenplay itself is really, really good because it feels lived in. And I think that's what makes it a very strong contender. And maybe this, maybe this one takes it over Oppenheimer this year. Just because, again, we've talked about this before, where if you don't win Best Picture – 
the best screen, best original but screenplay is kind of like the uh, Oppenheimer will be Oppenheimer will be adapted though, won't it? Or You're right. I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize about that. Thanks for the correction. Actually, no worries. Um, but yeah, Oppenheimer but, can't win every category, Brian. As much yeah, know, as I right? know you yeah, want I, it to. I totally, <laughs> about, I totally forgot about that. It but it, this, original, but. but this movie has won an original screenplay award already. It won the uh, best original screenplay from the National Board of Review, uh, and it got nominated at the Independent Spirit Awards. Uh, so, you know, the writer, who is this, David uh, Hemingsway? Is that, is that his name? Date? I mean, two uh, seconds he- and I'll tell you. Hemmingson? Hemmingson. Yes, David Hemmingson. So he actually also did a TV show that got nominated a long time ago. So the, so the guy can write. And I think what you saw in The Holdovers, especially at the end, um, was fantastic writing. That re- oh, and, and, and without trying to give things away too much, what you thought was going to be an ensemble movie actually then trimmed down to three characters. Yeah. So that sudden change of, okay, now I was getting prepared to watch an ensemble with a lot. Now all of a sudden it's focused on these three. I think the change of pace um, was very smooth. I think the writing to beginning to end was very smooth. And I think the twist at the end, it wasn't a huge twist, but it was enough to make you, know, to make you think and to surprise you. And so yeah. honestly, I think this will get nominated, but I don't think it will win. Um, that's just kind of my opinion of it right now. For uh, for best picture. For but no, well, what it well yeah or, or, that or for, or for best it will for, it will get nominated for best picture. It is going to be one of the top ten movies that gets nominated, uh, but it will not win best picture. I'm pretty certain it won't win best picture. But I do have right now the holdovers at number two for the original screenplays that I have reviewed so far. The one movie I have over it, which is getting absolutely no buzz and really irritating me, is a thousand and one. Uh, the movies that I have under the holdover, right? The holdovers right now: Saltburn, Napoleon, Barbie, The Boy and the Heron, Asteroid City, Past Lives, May December. Those are kind of your, and then you know maybe Rustin you could throw in there as well. But those are pretty much your contenders for this best original screenplay category. So I would actually argue the holdovers. It actually, you know, I, I kind of eat, eating my own words right now as I look at my rankings. You know, I do think it 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 might win, but again. You know, there's still some original screenplays that are coming out still uh, that can overtake the holdovers. And so I think it'll get nominated, uh, but I'm not sure it will actually win uh, sure. Best Original yeah. Screenplay. So just going back to our handy-dandy variety rankings, because they, you know, pretty, they, they change pretty, pretty consistently. Uh, so they do have holdovers being nominated. They also have Past Lives, May, December, yeah. which I have no idea. I don't understand. I, real quick, did you have you seen May December yet? Yeah, I did. Did you like it? Just yes or no? Uh, I'm meh. I'm, I'm, it feels like a movie my mom would really enjoy because it has that sort of like rip from the headlines, but also that sort of study to it. Um, I think the actor who plays uh, I was I, uh, Charles Melton. There Charles is. Melton. Yeah, um, I thought actor. he actually does do really well in the movie. I think he actually does deserve being yeah, possibly I mean, nominated or in the category in the, in the, in the conversation for sure. I mean, there's but, aspects of it that, that are done well. I mean, I mean, I, I went to, I saw the Marvels and like that's not the greatest movie by any means, but the visual effects aspects were done very well. So like yeah. like May December has aspects of it that I do appreciate, and you know some of it are heavy categories like you just mentioned best supporting actor and you know supporting actors with julianne moore maybe sure. but I, I, overall it's just best picture best screenplay i i just don't think it's one of the best ones yeah i don't think it yeah i don't think it should be in the best original screenplay obviously so like right now they have barbie bumped out of the top five i would so put they, barbie way ahead of may december 100 yeah I, over may december i agree i just think the way that they conceive the world and the way that they 
And I actually just watched, I love the Actors on Actors series. So they actually had Barbie, her name's not Barbie. Um, they had um, Margot, Robbie. Margot Robbie talking with Cillian Murphy that the way that she approached it was that, how do I make her sound like she doesn't know what's going on in the world, but not stupid? Right. And I think they did it really well. It feels like, oh, like you wouldn't know something would, you know, would be happening if you'd never experienced it before, which I think was, you know, really well delivered. So I think Barbie should definitely be there above May, December. But um, ahead of the holdovers. But, uh, ooh, that's interesting. See, I don't think so. I think the holdovers is, is that strongly written of a movie. And yes. we go back to the, buddy, the, the, the chemistry that Alexander Payne and Giamatti have with the Academy. And yeah. if the movie is strong in any way, which I think the writing is, I think it's going to get a nomination. Um, that's just kind of how I see it. And so no, I, I love you, Barbie, but I think I think the holdovers takes Barbie. Uh, in, no, in I 100 percent agree. You have to look and see what the relationship to the Academy that the writers or the directors or the actors have, like something written by Steven Soderbergh or Paul Thomas Anderson. Sorry, Wes Anderson. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's probably a good note as well. Uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, Quentin Tarantino, these kind of people that have a relationship with the Academy are important for people to know that if it sort of comes down to who gets that fifth spot, you have to see who has clout with the Academy. That's really, really important. But so right now, I'll just finish their top five. So Holdovers, Past Lives, May, December, Maestro, and Air are their top five predicted nominees, which Air, I think no. is, I, I think Air being in there is kind of weird. Um, this is I, think also anat- I, I think Anatomy of a Fall is going to get a nomination. Uh, and I would, agree, I, I haven't seen that movie yet, but I would agree with you. And also, Neon is a really big contender at the Oscars. Usually, um, I think it's important to note that this might be a conspiracy theory, thinking too far down the road. But one of the sponsors for Actors on Actors, the very first one, was Air. So it's kind of interesting that Variety put something in there that we also have Air. I mean, Air, Air is getting a lot of forecasting that i don't like i I don't argue against but i think how high in the rankings they are is kind of weird to me like i thought air was just a bit too simplistic overall uh from everything in my mind whether it be the script the cinematography the acting it was just a very safe movie and i see air in the top 10 of like all these categories film editing cinematography original screenplay and i'm thinking like no, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just, like I think I just it's, don't it's, see it's a really good movie and it has a great cast in it because it has, you know, Affleck and and Damon and Damon delivers a really great speech at the end. It's about Michael Jordan, which I think people really enjoy that Viola Davis is in it. Uh, but I think it's just a really good movie. But I don't know if it's supposed to be in here with all these really, really auteur driven and big budget films. But can we uh, can we can we go to some of these secondary categories yeah, let's for go to there. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, the holdovers? We kind of here, yeah. Oh, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> We're gonna nerd out, anyways. Because um, I think cinematography, I have it number two behind Oppenheimer and right above Killers of the Flower Moon. I think cinematography, it's gonna you know probably have a look at. I don't know if we'll get nominated, but we'll probably have a look at uh, production design. You mentioned the school. Um, the, you know, the, the, the scenes kind of bounce around a little bit and I think production design might get something, the costume design they're in, you know, they're in the seventies, I believe. So anytime you, you switch up the time period and, and match the, the costumes that, yeah, costume designers really like that. Um, and then film editing, you know, you have some of these, these secondary categories. I think best score is one, is one of the top ones as well. So, uh, in terms of some of these secondary categories, Brian, what are you looking at in terms of the holdovers? 
I think that score might be a good place to start just because it sort of gives you a sense of time and place. Um, I think the score is pretty well done. Kind of understated, though. Um, it's going to be up going up against a couple heavy hitters, but I think that might be a good place to look. And um, I do think um, design is actually like a nice place to look at just because our production design. Just because, again, a lot of this movie is about the feel of that time period, feeling like you're in the Northeast, feeling like that's Christmas time, um, just yep. really getting all that right. And I think they did. I think even when they went away from the actual uh, school, they went to like Boston. They ended up going to like a little town outside. It felt like the 1970s. Like that house party they went to. Oh my goodness. The house party felt so 70s when she's standing by the record player and has to change the records. Very Northeast American 70s atmosphere uh, and vibe with that. Which yeah. I think that that's great. I, I really look at when you do production design, do I feel like you're really capturing that era? And do I feel like I'm there? And I really did feel like it was yeah. cold. I felt like it was you know warm inside of the buildings. So I, I thought they did a great job. I think with that explanation you just gave, like for me, production and costume design almost go hand in hand with what you're saying. Sure. And it's funny because like as I was doing these rankings after I saw The Boy and the Heron the other night, I uh, I kind of I kind of looked through my production and costume design rankings, and my one, two, and three are the are exactly the same. And I, I didn't plan it that way; it just happened. Napoleon, Barbie, and Killers of the Flower Moon. I have one, two, three production and costume design. So I think what you're saying with production design is very true, also for the costume design. And in that regard, they kind of go hand in hand. And so I would I would give the holdovers a look in terms of costume design, um, based off what you're saying as well, not just production design. For sure. Um, what else? What else do we kind of looking at? So production, film design, editing, cinematography, film editing. I, I think film editing is probably going to get a nomination. It's very yeah. crisp. It's out. You know, Alexander Payne is just. I mean, he is all over his movies. I, you yeah. can't find one bad thing in it. It's just like you try to sit there. It's like uh, if you have ever seen Great British Bake Off. It's like Paul Hollywood uh, handshake. You can't fault it. It's just <laughs> what you get with Alexander Payne movies. You just give him the handshake and say, "Well done, man. You you killed it." So. I think film editing, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, and film editing, again, is going to be a tough category this year because a lot of times editing goes hand-in-hand hand with Best Picture, uh, but the difference is, is Best Film Editing only has five nominations and Best Picture right. has ten. Um, so right now, kind of just looking at how they're ranking them, uh, Oppenheimer, Barbie, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, and again, Air, just sort of thrown in here, which again, I think that one, get knocked, I think that one gets knocked out. Um, we'll see how Maestro has, you know, performs. It hasn't come out yet. But I think the holdovers can sneak in there for film editing. Definitely. I think it could take air spot easily uh, over. There's a couple other movies like American Fiction, Ferrari. But I think the holdovers can definitely Ferrari. It'll depend. It'll depend on how the movie performs, I, th- I believe, which I mean, they have a lot of race cars in it. It's very it's it's easy to put that in film editing because it's a lot of more stuff going on. But I think more I things think, can make it. I, I'm telling you, I think for me, the man i think spider-man for me is kind of the mm-hmm. decido right like sure. the deciding factor like if if because i could see spider-man taking a it's like a bubble steal bid in march madness yeah. like i could see spider-man stealing a bubble in a couple categories and film editing would be one now we we've talked about animated movies getting film editing nominations um we're, we're, we don't really get it but um it's happened and so i think as I look at some of these rankings here, uh, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Poor Things, Barbie, Maestro, you know, that's tough five right there to get past. Then you throw in American fiction. Um, I think Spider-Man and then the holdovers 
are kind of rounding out your top eight to ten right there. And I could see Spider-Man being that one movie that, not just in film editing, in multiple categories, kind of steals that number five bit away. And I think the holdovers would be the victim of that if that were to occur this year. Yeah, because Spider-Man, the the way that it's it's not like an any it's not like any other animated movie I've no, seen in terms of film not. in terms of film editing, where it is actually a really big part of the movie because they're going to multiverses and really bringing in. I thought it was just so cool. We won't get into it right, like super into it now. But the way that they use the different comic books for those Spider-Men, I thought was so creative and so interesting. Because <laughs> it's like, you know what? We're in an animated movie. Let's go all the way with it. Let's make right. a punk rock Spider-Man. And I thought it did really well. And there were so many action scenes in it, which looked like real action scenes in a movie. So I I can totally see Spider-Man sort of you know leapfrogging um leapfrogging holdovers because again holdovers is a much slower paced movie the way that it's put together but uh i it, it really comes down to coin flips at that point yeah i agree and i i'm gonna read off some contenders um that i think warrant um kind of uh, an, an eye on but i think the holdovers is better than in terms of film editing uh based off what i've seen air we both agree um creed three I don't know if you've seen Creed 3. I think that the film editing was better in um, the holdovers in Creed 3, May, December, Napoleon, Nyad, Saltburn. And so those are all pretty good movies that have film editing um, noise around it. And I think the holdovers tops all of those. I also want to throw The Killer in there as well. Great movie from David Fincher on Netflix. Uh, the, the the contenders that are coming out that I haven't seen yet, but you want to eye for film editing, I think would be The Color Purple um, and The Iron Claw. I think those mm. two are going to be ones that you kind of maybe circle uh, as, you know, dangerous threats in film editing. And then, you know, maybe you go view it and you go from there and you get based off your own opinion. I know you've seen The Creator. That's yeah. also getting a lot of film editing noise. And then John Wick Chapter 4 is also getting a lot of film editing noise. So I don't know if you've seen either of those two. I haven't yet. They're on my list. But yeah, those would be two other ones as well. I could see Creator. Creator also, like, uh, I have a cinematography friend of mine. Well, yeah. Um, He he makes a lot of small, small, small films. Um, That all of that, all of the Creator was filmed on the same camera that he uses, which is just like a handheld camera with a bunch of different attachments, lenses, whatever. Um, So that would be very interesting. But that one's interesting. And then Iron Claw. Oh my God. I can't tell you how excited I am to see Iron Claw. I'm I've so excited. I've got my screening ticket ready. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I actually, I don't, I'm not a huge wrestling fan, but I think whenever people make movies, especially this one where it's really, really, you know, in it, it really feels like they really did a lot of research for, you know, about the family that they're making it about. Uh, I'm, I'm so in. I'm so A24. In. Again, that's, and that's, a huge deal. Did you hear that A24, they're going to start putting their movies on Max? So that was actually nice. just done a couple weeks ago that A24 will put all their films on the Max streaming service. So nice, nice. To know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree I, with what you're saying. Yeah, and if I can also, I would like to go back um, to the costume design category because uh, we, we spent a little bit of time on the production design, but not necessarily uh, the costume. And I just want to, go over some contenders because I, I think this is going to be a tricky category. You know, I know things like Wonka haven't come out yet. Ferrari haven't come out yet. Um, that this could do well in the boys in the boat. I know he's getting a ton of buzz. We mentioned the iron claw, another wrestling movie that's coming out with a lot of costume design buzz is Cassandra, which you can find on Amazon studios. 
Um, for me, I look at things like I see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is on there. I see things like Indiana Jones, The Hunger Games. So my question to you is with these costume designs, are we going to kind of see one of these big blockbuster franchise films come in and possibly grab one of these nominations over maybe the holdovers? Um, I look and I really just don't see a ton of buzz around the holdovers costume design. So in terms of like, you know, some of these like Guardians of the Galaxy, the creator, um, Hunger Games, where would you kind of put the holdovers? Would you put it, you know, above these big franchise movies that did have great costume designs? Or would you kind of put it under those uh, in terms of a measuring stick? Because quite frankly, I think I would put, I think I would put the holdovers under things like Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, the Hunger Games and things like that. Yeah, I would definitely go under just because yeah. they're, um, they, this has kind of been a constant as we've been doing these. I've been looking at, you know, costume design and are you, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. That's one that you've yeah. been talking about a lot. I, like I think one. there's only space for one 70s movie or one sort of period piece <laughs> about this era allowed. And I think it might go to that one. Um, nothing that, really yeah. stood out to me in the holdovers in terms of costume design. So maybe right. I, I just don't like, see I it. think, I, mean, I think the costumes did what we talked about. It put you in that world, but I, I'm with you. I don't think it was enough to, to stand out and say, you know what? That's going to get a nomination. Like yeah, che- che- Chevalier, Chevalier, yes. Chevalier, yeah, Chevalier. Right. I think that's it's how it. you pronounce it. it. That's it. That costume stood out. Now the movie's not going to get a best picture nomination or screenplay no. nomination, but the costume design, was absolutely flawless in that one. Yeah, I think the Academy likes to see that you're doing things. It's either you're doing things or you're setting up a time period. And I think with yeah. Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, they're, they've kind of had that going on. But other than that, they have That's Barbie, which 100% I can see them getting costume design because doing a lot of things. It's part of the entire – it actually is an important part of the movie. And again, going back to, actors on, going back to actors on actors that uh, Margot Robbie was talking about, it actually does play a part of them. This might actually go more into hair and makeup, but they actually made her hair much bigger, much more full, very like, uh, you know, uh, like, what is it called? Uh, sort of like pageant queen in the beginning of the movie. And as she got more real, it got a little bit, you know, less fluff, a little bit more straighter. Interesting. I'll have same to watch with, that next time. Yeah. Same thing with her outfits. They became less polka dots, less bright, less sure of themselves, and much more toned down, which I think if your costume design is doing that much, I think that is what gets you um, an, an award nomination. Like the yeah. Barbie poor things hasn't come out yet, but you can tell by all the previews that a lot of stuff is going on in that movie in terms of the costume. It's, it's attention to detail. And you know, when you have attention to detail on things that you're working on, it just proves your love for it. And I think the Academy recognizes that. Definitely. Like we, we talked about this with film editing with Oppenheimer, you know, that Christopher Nolan made a, an entire new print, for one camera to right. for, it, it's the hard work and the little things that you know that that i think the academy does recognize not with every movie obviously right. but you know with some of these you know heavyweight ones so i think for the holdovers yeah you pass on uh the costume design i think the production design would be uh where you go in terms of um secondary categories and film editing um, now the score i think is interesting because quite frankly there's a lot of good scores out there i think it's I think it's a good score, but I think a lot, I think 30 movies have a good score this year. Uh, you know, you go from Killers of the Flower Moon. I just got done watching The Boy and the Heron. I wouldn't be surprised if that got nominated for best score. The score, I mean, that was probably the standout of the movie was the score and the sound. So I think when you look at score, it's good. It could get nominated, but so could 30, 35 other movies for this category. Yeah. It's, a, it's a crowded right. category. 
yeah, so that's a tough one. And we, again, we're not going to do it too much, but we all kind of know who's going to win that category. What, Oppenheimer? Yes. 100%. You think Oppenheimer's winning yes. score? What do I have? I, not Killers I, I of the Flower people, Moon. Wow. I thought you might put Killers ahead of it with that, that, that dun, dun, dun beat that just carries throughout the movie. It, you're, we you're won't right. get into and, it right now. And, 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 <laughs> no, you're, 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 no, you're right. And it's going to be nominated for sure. But I just think um, everybody just really, really enjoys the Oppenheimer score in terms of, especially at the beginning, uh, Can You Hear the Music, I think is the name of it. And the way that it sort of transports you through the first parts of that film um, are really, tr- you know, uh, you know, transformative. So I really enjoyed uh, the Oppenheimer score. So and I think it's going to win. I think it's, it's been sort of cleaning up in the score category. But. Yeah. And honestly, it's ranked um, number one on uh, I, I like awardswatch.com. I think this guy, Eric Anderson, does a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, sometimes I beat him to some things, which I, I, nice. I like as well. Um what was Apollo 10 and a half? Yeah, I had that on my anime list before you did just saying. <laughs> so anyways. I'm, um, I'm, I'm glad you follow a different person. I think this is a good thing to sort of highlight is that um, really follow sites that you trust or that the ones that you, like, don't necessarily align with what you have to say but are close to it. Or right. you know, look at places that don't align with what you're saying. Because I know I follow Variety, but I know like the guy who writes the Variety predictions has his own taste. And you have to know that, you know, a lot of these films is about taste, which is why I kind of yeah. hate film Twitter <laughs> sometimes true. or hate podcasts sometimes where I'm listening. And the, like I was listening to a podcast where this guy was putting together his top 10 list. And it's a podcast that I really enjoy. He was visiting on the pod. His name's Adam. I totally forgot of the last name. But and he's a reviewer. He's a really well-known reviewer in Canada. And he didn't have Oppenheimer in his top 10 favorite, best movies of the year. And again, it's one of those things where these guys have egos, I feel. And it's like, you know, to leave them off is a choice. Yeah, I, but again, I think it's, the, it's all personal. Like, you have to know what you're ranking. Like, if like, I think there's a difference between what you think is going to get nominated for a best picture, and then I think there's a difference between what you like. Sure. Like, I'll sit That's here and right. tell you, the Year of the Dog was one of the best movies I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. Is it going to get nominated? No. Should it get nominated? Yeah, it should. But will it get nominated? No, it's not going to get nominated. I think that is where you have to, st- you know, you have to understand what it is you're covering. Um, sure. Now. Going back to the score. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I don't know why I went off on that. But I just there. To, you know, just oh, no, it's fine. Yes, because you, you like um, awards.com, you said? Award, so it's awardswatch.com, but I'll sit here and tell you that, I, uh, you know me, I'll do, I'll do my reviews, my rankings, and then I'll kind of double-check my work to see if there's a category I might be missing with uh, Eric Anderson's sure. rankings. So he has, I'm looking at the scores right now. He has a lot of good scores up there. The holdovers he has way at the bottom. So, again, I think this is a good score. It's not strong enough, though, in a crowded category. I just want to name some movies that he has ahead of the holdovers for best score. And these are not heavyweight movies by any means. Yeah. The Society of Snow, which is coming out okay. on Netflix in January. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which I've heard it's won a best score award already. It's yeah, number I've heard eight that on one his being list. Thrown out there. Yep. The Creator. Okay. Um, Wish, which makes sense. Elemental, which makes sense. These are musical animated movies. Um, Carmen, the robot girl movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and some of the other ones are, you know, big heavyweight movies. Sure. But, you know, I just named off maybe five or six movies that are not heavyweight movies, but have a good score and that are actually ranked ahead of the holdovers. So again, I think this proves a point of, you know, this is a crowded category, not just because contenders are 
putting out good scores, but non-contenders are putting out good scores as well. I thought exactly. the Marvels had a great score. So I think this is just too crowded of a category, and the holdovers is lovely, and it's Christmas time, makes you feel good. It's, to me, just not strong enough to contend with a lot of good scores this year. Definitely. Yep. I, w- I wouldn't I wouldn't fault you on that one either. So um, did we cover all the categories that they could possibly we, get in? Because they're not going to be did. best song, no documentaries. No best song. Yeah, no best great, song. Great category this year. What a strong category best song is this year. I, I, yeah. I don't know when, if and when we'll get into this, so I'll just say it now. I think uh, American Symphony with John Batiste. Yeah. Uh, I think that is going to win Best Original Song for multiple Ooh, reasons. We can get into it in another day, but yeah, uh, maybe when we do the Barbie market, review, because that's going to have a lot of yeah original song uh, contenders. So maybe when we do Barbie, we'll do uh, we'll get into that. But yeah, no Best Song for the Holdovers, unfortunately. No Paul Giamatti solo at the end. No Paul Giamatti at the end. But um, I do think for everybody to sort of keep in mind, I think that the Holdovers will contend very strong in the actor category. So actor, supporting actress, um, the, like the performance categories, I think it will be nominated for best. Where's uh, your bet? Picture. Tick, what What's your bet right now for the holdovers? What are you What are you putting money on in terms of the available markets right now? Right now, I'm putting yep. my money on Divine Joy Randolph Me too. for best supporting actress, and Plus then on sixty. I, yep. I would. I wouldn't be. It wouldn't be terrible for um. What's the What's the director's? Are name? you gonna do it, Alexander Payne? Are you gonna put money on? Are you gonna tell people to put money on Payne right now? What are his Actually, odds? Actually, no. Let's see his odds. He's twenty to one. No, He's, but I can think might. of so much. I can think of so many better guys. I, I would put more money on Bradley Cooper at fourteen to one rather than Alexander Payne at twenty to one. There's one. There's two people you should be putting money on in Best Director if it's not Christopher Nolan. Ooh, uh, I just saw it. Expensive. I just saw it. Uh-huh. So who who do you think who who are the money that you should be putting money on? Scorsese is? and Gerwig are to me the only two that are going to beat Nolan out in this. Ooh, interesting. So I have Scorsese and Yorgos Lathimas at yeah. uh, plus four hundred, just because he's getting a lot of noise for poor things. And I mean, I have to see it, and I want to go in with like a clear head, but just there's sometimes like just you hear all these critics talking about movies that you haven't seen, and it gets kind of annoying at some point, but. I mean, he's getting a lot of love for poor things, and it hasn't come out yet. So if you like Yorgos, plus 400, I think now is the time to strike because I think it's going to go down. So don't take Alexander Payne at 20. No, and I just, yeah, to, I, I just saw Nolan go to I just saw Nolan go to minus $2. Yeah, he's, he's minus 2. He's, he's, he's going to yeah, yeah. take off in that. So uh, I will pass on Payne. I think the only bet you can make right now for the holdovers that will you can probably cash on Oscar night is Divine Joy Randolph yeah. at uh, plus 160. But so I think it's going to be very competitive. Oh, it will, but I think really, she yeah. she's going to be tough to beat, honestly. Mm-hmm. And The Color Purple is, to me, the one film that can dethrone her from Best Supporting Actress. It could, it could even be not Danielle Brooks. It could be uh, Tajiri... Uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Hansen. Henson. I forget her first name. Yes, yeah. I th- it could be her. So you never know. Where's she at? So let's see where she's at. So It's like six to one or something like that. Um, she's she's near the favorites, but not. Oh yeah, there the she is. Got favorite. it. Favorite. Yeah, plus six fifty. And she has a name. Plus, yeah. yeah, and she has a name. I mean, let but really quick before we wrap up, let's just look at the best picture yeah. really quick. So currently, holdovers is eleven to one. Honestly, I don't hate putting. We all know how I feel about Oppenheimer, so I love Oppenheimer. I think it's gonna win. But if I was gonna try to take a shot on something, I don't hate holdovers. I don't hate holdovers. No. One of those weird. I'm not. Picks. I'm not I'm not, to me, it's last year's Top Gun. 
It's okay. it's going to entice you. It is. It's going to entice you to take the the bet because it may, it's a good it's a good movie that everyone loves, right? Mm. And the odds are enticing at four digits. But realistically, it's not going to beat Oppenheimer and it's not going to beat Killers of the Flower. I mean, in my opinion, it could. Um, and I'm not going to irritate you anymore because it's not going to beat. I think Spider-Man oh is God. better you than the Spider-Man whole Spider-Man one more time. Just rip up your Spider-Man ticket now. 100 to 1. Do. Just All rip right. it up completely. Yeah, I think Holdovers is for me. I, again, I think Divine Joy Randolph is where you should be eyeing um, this movie. So, yep. yeah. All right, I'll let you wrap us out of here. All right, so up. yeah, guys, that was our first episode of Box Office Bets. I almost forgot the name already. Um, <laughs> Sorry, so I'm fair. Brian Ortega. That's Tom Cunningham. So make sure you just follow us throughout the award season. We'll be breaking down every single movie that's, you know, almost every single movie that's going to be nominated and then give out some of our best bets as the award season continues. So again, thank you so much for listening and make sure you like and subscribe if you're on YouTube or subscribe to us if you're on any of our other podcast platforms. So again, thank you so much for listening. Have a good day. everybody this is brian ortega a former concierge in the city of sin and this is concierge confidential a podcast show where we dive into the tips tricks and secrets and how to use them when visiting the city of las vegas i'll be joined by a cast of characters from around the city who have worked as bartenders go-go dancers cocktail waitresses and everyone else that makes this city tick the mission behind concierge confidential is to share tips and stories from my life as a las vegas concierge I'll even give you some of my experiences after visiting restaurants and hotspots throughout the week and might even give some ratings here as well. We will cover different topics from our favorite restaurants, nightclubs, lounges, and maybe even go over some do's and don'ts when visiting Las Vegas. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our peek inside Las Vegas with Concierge Confidential.